What would be better for the Green Bay Packers this season? Jordan Love to be really bad and you know you had to move on? Or Jordan Love just good enough to win a bunch of games for the Packers, but not so good? You're absolutely sure he deserves a monster contract. We answer this question and a bunch of others in a fun Locked on Packers Friday mailbag edition. That starts right now. Caught by Watson. You are locked on Packers. He's got great speed. Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Christian Watson down the sideline. Locked on Podcast Network. And he will score. Your team every day. You are locked on Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski and I cover the Packers for The Leap, a newsletter I would love for you to subscribe to. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. Thanks to everyone who makes Locked on Packers their first listen every day. We hope you like starting your day with us as much as we like starting our day with you. Today's episode brought to you by your friends at Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on NFL and enter the promo code locked on NFL for a free Yeti style tumbler with your order. So today on the show, we are opening up the mailbag. I got a lot of great questions about a number of different topics. And so I wanted to start with this one. And it is from Spencer Sanders. Would you rather Jordan Love be terrible and know that we need to move on or he have a Geno Smith or Jared Goff type season where success is 100% related to the people, players around him? So let's start here. I, I would quibble with the idea that success is... 100% related to the people around Jared Goff and Geno Smith. Those guys played reasonably well. Like Mike White and Joe Flacco played pretty meh football for the Jets. But Zach Wilson was terrible. So even if you have good pieces around you, you there still is some talent in executing all of that. But this is a fascinating question. And it relates to something we talked about last week, and that was this idea of success and failure and not getting an accurate read on the success or failure of Jordan Love and having success as a team, but it coming at the cost of knowing what you have in Jordan Love is not true success. It is a pyrrhic victory in a lot of ways. And I I think it's more important to get that evaluation. Now, if you get Geno Smith level play, I mean, Geno Smith was like a Pro Bowl caliber quarterback last year, albeit with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett and Kenneth Walker and an offensive line that turned out to be much better than we thought it would be. He is a guy that is going to take you to the playoffs. Jared Goff can take you to the playoffs. That's fine. Having that guy is good. The Vikings, like we're going to talk about Dalvin Cook a little bit later. God bless uh, the uh, the person who didn't even ask a question, made a comment that we're going we're gonna to talk about later. Um, but Jordan Love being good enough that you can win games with him and understanding that this team is good enough to do that with a guy who's just fine. Then you understand that that's what he is. 
At the same time, the fact that they've already signed him to a contract means they don't have to make any declarations after this season. They can use what seems like it's going to be two first round picks to make this roster better. And then in another season, if Jordan Love doesn't take a step beyond that, they can move on. Much in the same way a team like the Cowboys, they built a roster with Tony Romo. They lucked into Dak Prescott, but they built a beautiful team around him. With the Eagles, they had built this team around Carson Wentz. They had a couple of years where it was like, eh, they drafted Jalen Hurts. Things didn't work out with Carson Wentz. They had a nice-ish season with Jalen Hurts. That first year with Jalen Hurts, what happened? That first full year as a starter, they won enough games to get to the playoffs. A lot of questions about Jalen Hurts, the quarterback, and what did they do? They go out, they add some key pieces, Hassan Reddick, they trade for A.J. Brown, and the Eagles go to the Super Bowl. And Jalen Hurts gets hella paid. That same thing could happen in Green Bay. That's what getting that extra year and that cheap year allows the Packers to do. So I would rather them be good. And then give him another year to take another step. Like if he's Jared Goff. The Lions had like a top five, top 10 offense by DVOA. The Seahawks offense was good last year. They went to the playoffs. If that's the season you get out of Jordan Love, he absolutely has bought himself another year. And then you make a decision. And that's what the beauty of this contract was that they signed. And I think that that allows them to give themselves a little more flexibility than they might otherwise have. Speaking of Jordan Love, this is from Joe Work 87 With Josiah DeGuara and Jordan Love both being second string for the last three years, not pushed into starting roles, could we see... Deguara take a leap. Um, a newsletter I would love for you to subscribe to. <laughs> so, no. I mean, the answer is, could we? Yes. But I think the Packers made it pretty clear when they used two top 100 picks on tight ends that they do not see Josiah Deguara as a central figure at tight end for this team. Now, could he become a Kyle Juszczyk-like, Kyle Juszczyk-light um, player? He's been working with the fullbacks at times in OTAs. Yes. Could he be, continue to be this H-back, do-it-all kind of guy? He's going to block. He's going to run some H-back wheels, fullback wheels, fullback seams. Um, you can run some middle screens with him because he has some playmaking after the catch. Split him out. Like, give him a, give him a 40s number. Do it. Make teams play him like he's a, a, a fullback. Get into heavy personnel. Really give your really lean into the 49ers of it all. I think he could take a step forward in terms of his role in this offense. I think he is going to be given opportunities to play more than he was last year. And we saw it in some of the brief stints where uh, Jordan Love was the quarterback and not Aaron Rodgers. He got actual opportunities to play. But pretty clearly, they don't see him as a tight end. And I, I don't think they ever truly saw him as a tight end. Matt LaFleur and, and Brian Gutekinds have, have hinted at that in the past with some of the comments that they've made. Like, we had a vision for him. And then because of injuries and because of poor play, like he had to go in there and play. Big Bob Tunyon was getting hurt. Mercedes Lewis has a very defined role in the offense. So you put your side to Guar out there. But I said this after they lost in 2021 to the 49ers. It was pretty clear D'Amico Ryans and that defense knew Aaron Rodgers was just not going to throw to Josiah DeGuara. 
And then if you look at like the Chiefs game that season, if you look at the Lions game, he has the 60-yard receiver screen or tight end screen touchdown. He had a couple catches in that Chiefs game. Like Jordan Love, who came in with Josiah DeGuara, trained in the pre-draft process with Josiah DeGuara, has been hanging out in the offseason with Josiah DeGuara, is probably far more likely to actually throw him the ball when he's the outlet on a play, for example, rather than chasing a big play. I think that that has some value. And so we'll see um, what he's able to bring to this offense. And he is also the most established of those guys. How does that factor into all of this? That's a fascinating question as we move forward here. All right, we're going to get to more questions uh, today on our mailbag show. Before we do, today's episode brought to you by our friends at Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs is, I got my, uh, I had a package come from our friends at Bird Dogs, a couple pairs of shorts. I hadn't had any of the, the khaki or the Oxford shorts with the built-in liners. And I put them on and I was like, this is a revelation. This is wonderful. And they're they're comfortable. They look like, I don't know if dress shorts is overselling it because you could dress them up as fancy as you wanted or you could dress them down. You could wear a t-shirt with them. If you wanted, you could wear a button up with them if you wanted. They're so versatile. They're so comfortable. And it's a, it's a whole part of the bird dog's repertoire I had never experienced before. I had the joggers. I had the stretch khakis. Those are great products. This is another great product. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on NFL to enter promo code locked on for a free Yeti style tumbler with that order. If you're going to check out those shorts, that's birddogs.com slash locked on NFL for a free Yeti style tumbler. You will not want to take these things off. I promise you that. And thanks for making Locked On Packers your first listen every day. Every day is next week on the show. We continue our off-season coverage as we push to mandatory minicamp. As we get toward training camp, we're going to have a little bit lighter load next week in terms of shows. I think maybe only three or four shows, but I'm working on some interviews, some things. Um, I mentioned Gary Ellerson, uh, working on getting that scheduled as well. All of that next week on Locked On Packers. All right, some more here. Um, Kyle McClure on Twitter asks, if the Packers defense starts out slow, how long of a leash will Joe Barry have? Who would be the most logical replacement for him? Also favorite bourbon, mine, Michter's number one. So the bourbon question I think is, is honestly tougher um, because the, my favorite varies depending on the day. Let me, let me say most recently, um, I've been I've been drinking Woodenville, which is actually a Washington bourbon. It's really good. Um, finished in port casks. It's awesome. It's really, really, really good. Um, and also, shout out to um, Matt Tub on Packer Twitter, who sent me a uh, a 1.75 of Weller Special Reserve. Awesome. It's so good. Um, I'm gonna make a little uh, poor man's lot B with it. And I, I can't wait to try it. So uh, shout out to you. The leash on Joe Barry is going to be this season. He's going to get the whole season because this team is not set up to compete for a title. If it were 2020, 2021, well, 2021, um, and things just went way off the rails, like they're averaging 40 points a game defensively allowed, then you start to worry about it. 
I think the only the, the only case would be Jordan Love in this offense looks great from the jump. And by the middle of the season, they're losing every game 35-31. And you're just like, okay, this is just not working. No one buys into it. And I think you'd have to have a full-on sort of player revolt to get to that point. He's going to get the whole season. I think that's pretty clear. Whether or not he deserves that is a separate thing. But I think Matt LaFleur, and, and I've said this before, um, part of this is that Matt LaFleur has taken a lot of responsibility around this defense. And in doing so is insulating Joe Barry a bit from criticism because part of it is on him. I think one of the reasons he hired Joe Barry, and I said this from the beginning, was so that he could have a greater say in what the defense was doing. Now, is he going to have room for that this year? Because he's going to have to be the architect of the offense in a way that he hasn't been over the last few years because Aaron Rodgers has been able to have so much input and be able to be such a crutch to lean on. That makes this season very interesting. But Joe Barry is going to get the year. He's going to get the year. And then and then we'll see where this goes from there. Um, this is from Noah Seligman. A lot of Jordan Love questions. Uh, Jordan Love at QB. What's our run pass split this year? How many touches per game for 33 if the goal is him healthy and fresh as possible for January football? So I'm, I'm certainly not as worried this year about January football. I wrote um, last week in The Leap about their expected pass rate. It was under expectation. Overall, it was under expectation on first down. They ran it more than they should have. And I have been very clear on this show that I think they should be passing more on early downs, more play action. Generally speaking, and I think this is important, I am not the kind of person who says, it's good to go into a game to get Aaron Jones 20 touches. I think you can say in a perfect world, the best use of this player is, you know, 16 carries and five targets or six targets. And you go, okay, that equates to roughly 20 touches. You might not be able to complete all those targets. And so that, that gets you into that 20 target area. I'm not worried about overusing Aaron Jones because of what's going on in January. Now, I am worried about keeping Aaron Jones healthy. I also have A.J. Dillon in my back pocket, who's a really good running back. They have Tyler Goodson, who we'll see what his usage is going to be. We're going to, I got a question about running back three. I think it's going to be Goodson. It might be, honestly, it might be no one. They might just have two on the roster. And then practice squad guys, given the practice squad rules, we'll see on that. But I'm 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 not going into this going they need to be 50-50 run pass or they need to be 64 like I think Matt LaFleur's answer when he was asked about this last year and going into the season and during the season he was asked this question a bunch of times. Now of course after a game he's always like we we needed to get Aaron Jones more involved, we needed to get him more touches, we need to run the ball better. All that stuff I I think in general has been true when he said it, but he also said going into the year in what I thought was a great answer, and we talked about it on this show, everydayers will remember, that being adaptive is great. Week to week, being the team that says, this is what this team doesn't do well defensively, we're going to attack it. This is what we do well offensively, we're going to highlight it. Those kinds of things are really, really effective in week to week game planning. It's what the Patriots have been doing for years. 
They change, if, if you have a bad run defense, they will run the ball 50 times. And if you have a bad pass defense, but a good run defense, they will throw it 50 times. That's just who Bill Belichick is. It is what I think is a smart way to game plan. I think it is good to play to your strengths, but also understanding how to attack a defense. Like last year, and part of me sympathizes with Aaron Rodgers going, I think we need to throw the ball more. No, running the ball is what they did the best. You need to run the ball. Now you need to be able to throw the ball. You need to be able to find ways to pass the ball to be effective to win games. But teams were playing the Packers to run and they ran and it worked. And even, you know, against a team like the Bills, they started to come back in that game. Defense gets some stops. The run game gets going. That generates some passing game opportunities. And all of a sudden it looks like a team that you go, there's some good stuff here. That's the best version of this team with Aaron Rodgers, with Jordan Love. It doesn't matter the quarterback. I've always said balance is not a goal. Balance is an outcome. Being balanced run pass means having success enough to run in the second half of these games. That should be the goal. Be up 24-14 and you can run the ball in the second half all you want. That's the goal. To me, that's the goal. All right, a couple more here as we roll through these questions. Um, Wendell Ferreira, friend of the show, asks, if Eric Stokes is healthy, is he a starter today? Or do you think they'd go Jair, Nixon, Russell anyway? This is a, a fascinating question. And I don't have a great answer for it. I wish I did. I don't. Um, I think he's one of your three best corners. There's no question about that. So find a way to make it work. Week to week, game plan, find a way to make it work. If it means playing Jair more in the slot, if it means doing the thing that, you know, they did, go back to Demarius Randall's rookie season. Casey Hayward was a starting boundary corner and they moved him into the slot in nickel situations. Demarius Randall played on the outside. Even though Casey here was a better outside corner than Demarius Randall, Demarius Randall needed to be on the field because he was one of your three best corners. So you moved Casey Hayward inside. I can certainly see situations where that makes sense. Like look at the Vikings game. They put Justin Jefferson in the slot a bunch. So you put Jair Alexander over him in the slot. When that's the case, Eric Stokes has to be, has to be on the field. I think there are a lot of teams like they play in a division. The Bears are going to put DJ Moore in the slot a bunch. The Lions, best receiver, is Amon Ross St. Brown. He plays in the slot. So those weeks, the game plan should be for Jair Alexander to be in the slot a lot. Like the same perspective that you have around the best five offensive linemen, you should have around your cornerbacks. Just figure that out. And I think that was the goal last year. Just figure it out. And you don't want to take away from what Jair Alexander is on the boundary. And that's good. That's important. But Russell Douglas in the slot didn't work. And so I think someone like Jair in the slot more often is something you just have to consider, especially against these teams like the Vikings, where Justin Jefferson is going to be in the slot on third down, where Amon, Amon Ross St. Brown is going to be in the slot like all the time. He's in the slot like 60, 80%. More than half the time, he's in the slot. So it makes sense for Jair to be playing in the slot more often, even if you're not playing, you know, 60% man coverage. 
have him be the primary defender, even if it's just as a zone defender. It's better. He's an elite zone corner. So just play him there. Thanks to everyone who makes Locked On Packers your first listen every day. We hope you like starting your day with us as much as we like starting our day with you every day. Check out what we're doing over at The Leap. A big announcement coming next week. Um, there, uh, It's a newsletter I would love for you to subscribe to. Theleap.football for all your latest Packers coverage. Um, we have seen remarkable growth this offseason. Thanks to everyone who has, who has come over and, and been a part of that growth. Um, the, the the content that that Jason and I put together, we take a lot of pride in, just like with this show. And so um, I appreciate all of you for, for supporting us. And then, of course, I want you to check out Locked On Sports today. Uh, all, the, all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes, wherever you get podcasts. Uh, we're going to finish up here. Uh, Kyle Krieger asks, uh, am I crazy for thinking the Packers remain the best team in the division? Moreover, do you or does the fan base in general still view the other three teams as our little brothers? Because I still do. And 12 leaving doesn't change that. And it's going to take a lot of success from those other teams to change my mind. Um, I have not one but two Packers to win the NFC North bets. How much more do I need to tell you? I got the odds at FanDuel before they changed, before they got a little shorter. Um, go check them now. I would check them early in the season. Like if they go into Chicago and lose, keep an eye on them. I don't know why you would have faith in the Vikings. They are tearing this team down. Clearly that team thinks that the fraudulent Vikings from last year were fraudulent. The Bears are trying to win, but I don't have any faith in Justin Fields. I certainly don't have them going like eight and nine. Going from three wins to eight wins, it's too much. That defense still absolutely sucks. It's terrible. That defense is garbage. And then the Lions, the freaking Lions. You have to show me more than one season at 500 or better for me to believe in the Lions. Especially after, like, you have to cut multiple players because they're caught in a gambling scandal. You have this receiver that you traded up to get who's going to miss half the season now or a third of the season, 17 game things screwing me up because of this and has already come into the NFL with injury concerns. And I still don't trust the defense. So why, why would you have faith in those other teams over the infrastructure in green Bay over the last 30 years of the green Bay Packers? I don't, I don't get it. I don't see it. I don't, I just just don't see it. Um, Logan Myers with a really great question. Who, if any, do you see being the most surprising roster cut? So this happens every year. A veteran gets cut and we all go, we do the Tim Allen from Home Improvement. Anyone under the age of like 32 does not know what I'm talking about right now. (laughs) Um, They're like the guy from Santa Claus 3. Yes. But. I think I was having this conversation with someone the other day, someone like Samori Toure. Like, I think he could have 700 yards this season. I also think there's a chance he just like doesn't make the team because of the receiver room. Dontavian Wicks and Grant Dubose, you bring these guys in, Jaden Reed, Bo Mountain. Like, it wouldn't shock me. That wouldn't be that surprising to me. Um, Someone like Royce Newman. They've got a lot of offensive linemen. 
Like they have six guys who could be starting. You add in Sean Ryan, that's seven. They've already re-signed Jake Hansen. That's eight. How many are you going to keep? And Royce Newman has already shown he is not a starting caliber offensive lineman. So if you have an extra corner, someone like, um, you know, you you have Shamar John Charles, of course, is probably going to make this team, but a, a little bit deeper and it's early, right? You know, we don't know what's what's happening here exactly, but like Carrington Valentine has already had a nice spring. He surprises and makes the team. They want to keep a bunch of safeties like Jonathan Owens and Tarvarius Moore and Anthony Johnson and Dallin Leavitt, all these guys, like all of a sudden you're going to keep seven safeties with Innis Gaines. You don't have room for the offensive lineman. Okay. Yeah. Royce Newman. Sorry. Got to go. That wouldn't be, that's, I think it would be like, you go, oh, okay. Whoa. That's interesting. Wouldn't be shocking, but you'd be kind of, oh, mm, no. Interesting. That's the, that's the one that, that kind of stands out. Uh, to me in in all of this. Um, okay. Uh, Jonathan Schlecht asks, mailbag question, love the show. How many receivers will the Packers keep? This is related to this other question that we're asking. What's more likely, who's more likely to make the roster, Melton or Wicks DuBose? Um, if, if you're giving me both, if you're giving me like Melton versus the field of day three receivers, I'll take the field. I think Wicks is going to make the team. I think DuBose is going to make the team, frankly. Um, draft picks under Brian Gutekinds, Always make the team. Now, DuBose is hurt. Has not been able to do much in OTAs so far. And so that's problematic for him. He may just like go on IR. And you may just redshirt him. That's fine. But he still made the team. I think it's going to be harder for Melton. I, I mentioned some more to Ray. Like maybe he doesn't. Maybe he does make the team. Okay. So you've got Watson. Let's say Toure makes it. Dobbs. That's three. Jaden Reed is four. Wicks is five. How many more are they going to keep? This is an interesting question and, and related to some of the other ones that we've been asking. Are they, are they going to keep six? Are they going to keep seven when we're talking about these fringe guys, guys like Bo Melton? I don't know. So I think, I think very clearly the guys who were drafted are more likely to make the team. Um, but I, I think Bo Melton has a good chance to make the team because he fits the Packers types and I, I like the talent there. All right, let's, let's close on this. I, I teased this one already. This is from, uh, he was a gamer boy on Twitter. Um, no question this time. I just want to hear you brag a bit about Dalvin cook. So <laughs> thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. No, that is not my burner. Um, I kind of wish it was, but it's not. I told you guys that Dalvin Cook was washed. All the underlying metrics said he was washed. The tape said he was washed. And guess who agrees? The Minnesota Vikings. Now, does that mean he's a bad player? No, he's a totally fine running back because fine running backs are fine. But he was making top of market money. What I actually would rather point out here is all these guys who made big money around the time Aaron Jones made his. Alvin Kamara. With the exception of Christian McCaffrey, who, who got a, a deal that is just like not in a world anywhere near what anyone else was getting and, and got because he's just a different kind of player. Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara. The underlying numbers for them are, are pretty bad. They're pretty bad. And they're pretty great for Aaron Jones. 
And then Aaron Jones comes back to the Packers, takes a little bit of a pay cut, understands the marketplace and says, I'd much rather take a little pay cut for this team that wants to pay me, that wants to keep me, that wants to feature me, than take my chances on the open market, which is almost assuredly what happened here. The Vikings surely went to Dalvin Cook's representative and says, would you take a pay cut to come back? We'd be willing to do that. He said, hell no. I know I can get money on the open market. And you know what's going to happen? He won't. He'll get something. Like the Dolphins will pay him. Someone will give him an opportunity. But he's not going to get $12 million, $14 million a year. He just is not. So aren't you glad that you listen to the show? (laughs) All right, I'm kidding. I'm I'm half kidding. I don't I don't I don't get to I don't get to take a victory lap that often. The Vikings were frauds. I got to take a victory lap on that. And Dalvin Cook is washed. I get to take it's the Vikings. I get to take victory laps, right? Come on, right? Come on. Uh, we'll be back next week. A lot more on Locked On Packers. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts. You will find Locked On Packers. And anytime you want to come hang out with us live, you can do that on our YouTube page. So you can stay Locked On Packers.